0: one.
1: Somehow, God is in me, and there's a sense in which I am like God and man all at once. Many religions claim that we will all eventually be gods. The Bible says something so much better. It says, no, God will continue to be God. Man will continue to be man, but God will come upon man. No way! It's
0: time for Wretched Radio with Tom Friel. Not
1: again!
0: It's the Wretched Radio mail-call delivery bag Q&A Entertainment Nationwide Extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and misses.
2: Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the
0: people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. It is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Friel. The
1: mail is here! Ooh, Uh, yep! We're doing it again. Why? Because we like it. I'll be honest with you. I love hearing from you, whether it is beep talk one 282 beep or by sending questions, comments, conundrums or snarks to idea at wretched.org. OK, we start with Jacob,
2: who says, Todd, I am a textbook Gen Z, I think, in many ways. The idea of a life constantly working a job fills me with dread and even mundane tasks feel exhausting and unsustainable. I feel depressed, thinking I'll have to live the rest of my earthly life like this. I've come to terms with the possibility of living the rest of my life with chronic pain or illness, but I'm not so sure I could come to terms with uh, living the rest of my life with chronic anxiety. And I don't want to live my life just just because I'm not allowed to take it. I don't want to work just because I'll feel worse if I don't. I don't want life to be a matter of what is less painful, because one day denying God's commands or denying God Himself might be less painful. I want to love living for the Lord. I want to be steadfast in Him, and I want my habitual thought and attitudes to be shaped by Him. Is there some sort of thinking that I need to overcome or to change, or
1: do I just need to push through? You need to know that God actually agrees with you. He doesn't want you to be living like that. When Jesus promised, I come that they might have life and have it more abundantly, He wasn't talking about cash. He was talking about... Living a life that is in alignment with reality, living a life that is truth, living a life that understands everything from an eternal perspective. In other words, you get in on the game. So when you go through life, when you go to work, when you go to the playground, whatever it is that you're doing, eating or drinking, let's say, you're going to be doing it rightly. And that is going to affect the way that you feel about it. So let's start by reminding ourselves God wants us to live that kind of life. And if you're not, let us not be a really bad biblical counselor and just say, well, you need to stop thinking like that. And here's a Bible verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, memorize it. Next, please. Instead, let's recognize that there can be stressors in life. There can be rotten jobs. There can be mundane tasks. So what do we do with them? We can't always escape them. You can do practical things to improve standard of living, what your, what your job description is. You, you can pursue those things. But even as you do, the bigger issue is heart. Because at some point, you're probably going to get bored at almost any job. You do one thing, even if it's, oh, that's just my heart's desire. After a while, you're going to be like, I don't desire this anymore. I'd rather be doing something else. So what keeps you from getting the occupational blues? It is a heart issue. So what do you need to do? Do you need to change your thinking? Yes. Yes, you do. I would encourage you to do the very things that the Bible prescribes for you. Go to church, listen to preaching, read your Bible, fellowship with the saints, pray, take communion, witness baptisms. Those are the essentials. Now, you can also read some books on your subject. I, I, I would have to ask about 100 questions to even get close to the circle of your heart and what's going on inside of there. But you need to discover why you're feeling this way, and then you can start reading things about it. Is it, is it that you are lacking in trust? Is it that you have a fear of man problem? Is it laziness? I don't know. You have to do some of that deep digging. And if you need help, find a godly person to help you get down there. Somebody who's willing to ask questions. Really probe with you so that you can discover, ah, oh, this is the root of it. Then you can start getting books, you can listen to sermons on that particular subject so that you can live an abundant life. So, having said all of that, young man, you've taken a great first step. You've recognized this just doesn't seem right. I shouldn't be blue all the time. You're right. And God doesn't want you that way. So now you need to get on it, progressively start working on it. And if you need help, I would encourage you to avail yourself of a biblical counselor. You can find one at biblicalcounseling.com, biblicalcounseling.com, or you could find a godly man in your church who can invest in you and who can help you sort some of these things and increasingly live An abundant life. So congrats, you've taken the first step. Now take the second. Find somebody to mentor, disciple you, help you, walk alongside you. And then start doing all of the things that the Bible prescribes for you. And increasingly, your view and your outlook on life, they will change. And if I could, just as an aside, the work thing, this is my observation. And this isn't Gen Z exclusively. This is all of us. It is remembering why we are doing what we are doing. Oh, what was I was thinking of a hymn. Um, uh, it shall be thine. My Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. You say, how do I ceaselessly praise? By consecrating your life for the Lord. I'm doing my gig for the Lord. I'm not doing this for the man. I'm not doing this for the paycheck. I'm not doing this for the corner office. I'm not even doing this to provide for my family. I'm doing this unto the Lord. And that's what gives the task joy, that we have a boss with a benefit program that absolutely rocks. And we are doing things now, even you make a widget and you are just you you feel like you're going brain dead. I'm just doing the same. No, no, no. You're doing that under the Lord. He's going to reward you for your faithfulness and your service. Take my moment and take my life. My Lord, I pour at thy feet. It's treasure store. Take my life. It is thine own. It shall be thy royal throne. Adopt that attitude and you will be living an abundant life. And if you'd be so kind to send emails to idea at wretched.org. All right. This is from Paul. Todd, am I overreacting? Our
2: pastor usually Mm, says. Yes. (laughs) Sorry.
1: I was overreacting. My bad.
2: Well, he admits he might be. Uh, He says, our pastor usually at the beginning of the service says, if you're a guest, you've stepped into a room full of friends. I fully understand being friendly and welcoming, but I squirm in my seat whenever I hear him say that we are all friends.
1: Am I overreacting? Maybe. Yeah, they're humans. They're fellow image bears. Now, if he's giving the impression we're all brothers, it's kumbaya, no matter what your spiritual state is, that's a problem. But I don't see anything wrong with that. And I don't, I actually, I don't see anything wrong with the person who begins the service before the service begins, identifying that we might have some strangers in our midst. We can let them know you're loved. We'll care for you if we can help you in any way. We hope today that you are able to observe what Christians do, that we are here to worship God. So thank you for coming to be an observer. Please know you can go as far as you want to with it. Please note that what you're going to be hearing, the promises that are given, these are for Christians. You're watching a Christian service. We're glad you're here. You are here among friends and then launch into the service. But the line that we don't want to cross, and it is an easy one to sprint past, is that now we're doing the church service for them Do not make that mistake. It is an easy one to make. So if you're spending more time addressing them or you've contextualized to the point of, well, we probably shouldn't preach on that because it might turn off our visitors. Um, Without sounding as cold hearted as I am, boo hoo. You preach what the word teaches period. We don't contextualize it, soften it, or edit it because we fear that maybe somebody will be offended by this. Preach the word for the saints. Feed the sheep, not the goats, and send pretty much whatever you want to idea at wretched.org.
2: Okay, this one is from, well, anonymous, I guess. He says, uh, by uh, Paul, or Paul, that was the one previous question. The Bible tells us that Jesus is dead. Now,
1: wait a second. I want to spare you some pain. Thank you. Is anonymous really Paul? (laughs) No. And you're trying to lead us to believe that the last guy was Paul (laughs) so that you don't disclose that this is Paul. That's
2: exactly what happened. All righty then. Let's try
1: another question.
2: (laughs) All right. Well, uh, this is from faith. Todd, what's the difference between mind, soul, and spirit?
1: (laughs) Well, I would say there's there's nothing there's nothing different between soul and spirit, but your mind and your spirit are different things. Please note, I believe your brain, your mind is the mechanism. It's 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 the physical tool that connects your soul, not spirit and soul. You got one or you got they're interchangeable words. Your soul is expressed through your brain, through your mind. So I think the mind and spirit slash soul are different things, but I, I'm, I'm not a i might We are a dualistic. You got a body and a soul. This is Wretched Radio. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe but now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the tomorrow clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at TomorrowClubs.org slash TomorrowClubs.org slash
2: Hey, thanks for joining us here on Wretched Radio today. Now, look, I know you love our resources and all of the good stuff we have at wretched.org. I do too. But let me ask you another question: Have you considered becoming an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel partner? Because when you do that, you can help us reach millions all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And hey, look, it's tax deductible. You can't beat that. It's like those combos. You remember those combos, those pizza pretzel things? Uh, yeah, I'm probably the only one. But anyway, here's one promise that I can make to you: you never have to worry about the money you donate to Wretched. Because look, we're not just making quality reductions around here. We're also stewarding God's money as if eternity depended on it. And we do it all with a very high view of scripture. We don't mess around with any of that unbiblical stuff around here. So join us, become a Wretched Gospel partner and help us to reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel. Just visit wretched.org slash donate Wretched. Amazing grace, amazing gospel.
1: cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible to join the Master's Academy International.
0: Important dates in Christian history. 590 AD. Gregory becomes Pope Gregory I, known as the Great. He made treaties with Germanic tribes, independent of the emperor, and declared the Bishop of Rome's primacy over the whole church, increasing the political and spiritual power of the papacy significantly. This is Wretched Radio
1: with Todd Friel. Want to watch a man squirm? You've come to the right place. This is Wretched Radio. Jimmy, no matter what you do, if you say anonymous, everybody's going to go, is that Paul? Is that Paul? (laughs) (laughs) How's that knot tied for you right there? Please send stuff, sermons, stories, articles, questions, comments, conundrum snarks to idea at wretched.org. Please, even if your name is Paul... Don't sign it that way.
2: (laughs) This is from Robert. Todd, um, I've been thinking about uh, a lot about how you go about. Because
1: by the way, Mm -hmm. anonymous was Paul. Yeah. It was, he was Paul. <laughs> There's so, t- two different Pauls. But that was the the Paul. <laughs> nice try. Yeah, I know it. <laughs> I'm loving this.
2: Uh yeah. Robert said, "Hey Todd, I've been thinking a lot about how you go about witness Wednesdays and how I could also intentionally go out seeking opportunities to witness." Good for you. Especially on the college campuses around me. Yeah. But one thing strikes me. It would be very different in my experience versus yours, namely that people would be seemingly much more willing to discuss things with someone hosting a radio show sure. versus just some random person coming up to them, talking to them. Sure. So I don't have a microphone. So what's my in?
1: OK, I don't think it would be a sin. Th- this is this isn't my primary response, but it wouldn't be a total sin or even kind of a sin. Friel, is there a difference between a kind of sin and a total sin? I'm not aware of one. The point is, you could start a YouTube channel and you could put your witness encounters up. And then you could say to some... This is what I say to somebody. I, Hey, we're making a YouTube video, which is true. Can we interview you for all of electronic media? We get their permission. Sometimes people say yes. Sometimes they say no. But if you don't want to start up a YouTube channel... And I wouldn't blame you for that. (laughs) Did you see the video that was posted by Alan Parr at the Beat? He was, it was like I was watching him talk, but I thought my thoughts were coming out of his mouth. There has been a fascinating change in social media, specifically YouTube. He said eight years ago when he started posting videos, he could put up something that was just theological and it would get a quarter million views. But then that started to change. So he started doing videos that you know talked about what Beyonce did at the Grammy Awards, and that gets a million views. And he was he was just identifying something that has indeed changed about that social media platform. And it's not necessarily any sort of indictment on all evangelicals. It just means that that vehicle has changed and how you utilize it needs to be thoughtfully considered because you can very quickly cross a line into we've got to be sensational, we've got to be doing whiz-bangery, otherwise nobody's going to watch it. YouTube, it's a blessing, but increasingly it is a challenge. So if you didn't start one, I wouldn't blame you for that. But what could you do? I would encourage you to figure out your own thing. How could you do it? One of, I think, the easiest ways to do it is grab yourself a fistful of evangelistic booklets, say, available at wretched.org. Go to the campus, and when a kid walks by, just go, hey, did you, did you get one of these yet? And they're going to grab it. I, it's very rare when somebody goes, scram, pally. In fact, I've never heard anybody say it quite that way. They might just blow by you, but for the most part, they're going to grab it, and you could actually hold on to it. <laughs> uh, this booklet is about whether you're a true or false Christian convert. Are you a Christian? And boom, there you got to figure out your thing. So I would encourage you to use gospel booklets. You could use evangelistic tracts if you wanted to. Living Waters has an awesome, awesome catalog of them. And that could be your tool or mechanism. You could start a campus ministry, become an authorized ministry on campus, preferably with your local church. Set up a tent every week. Not kidding. Make cookies. I'm not kidding. Then you could you could have something in your hand and say, here, we're giving these out. You could even do that if you've got it in an organized way where it doesn't look hinky like a couple of creepy people walking around a university campus giving out candy. Make cookies and go there, put them in a plastic bag and pass it to somebody and use a gospel booklet as a as a plate. Hey, we're giving away cookies. We made these this morning. And then you can try to engage them and then just strike up a converse. Don't be all. "Uh, Did your mother ever make cookies like you're desperate to talk to them? Just be natural. And some of those fish, they're going to slip off the hook, but at least he gave them a gospel booklet and a little Christian love via their stomach. And But some are going to stop and talk to you. There's no fail-safe in any of this. Ray Comfort gets turned down. I get turned down. I figured out what works. Ray has figured out what works for him. You figure out what works for you, and I say salute for your desire to do so. Please send stuff to wretched.org.
2: All right. Well, this next question is from uh, from Saul. Uh, he says, the Bible tells us that... <laughs> did you just do a
1: Saul Paul trick? <laughs> I did. <laughs> I think this is... You know, normally, I don't like this phrase, but I do believe it's appropriate. What's that? You want to be ashamed of yourself, <laughs> young man. I want to use this question.
2: <laughs> the Bible tells us that Jesus's death on the cross was necessary for our salvation. I get it. No argument on that. But I struggle to understand how Jesus could bear the eternal punishment for billions of people yeah. in a finite amount of sure. time. Yeah. What exactly did he experience on the cross? Yeah,
1: Nastier than you can ever fathom. How is it that one man could take the sins of all those who will believe upon himself hanging on a cross? Well, first of all, it wasn't just hanging on a cross. It was the beating he received. It wasn't just the cross and the beating he received. It was the invisible wrath we could not see that began in the garden when the Father began the Christ's passion. So it wasn't just a six-hour experience. It was a very Well, let's just call it about a day, give or take. Now you say that still has done nothing but kick the can down the street. It's not that a man suffered. It's that the God-man suffered. That's why. It's the invisible punishment of God we could not see. And it is the fact that the diamond of heaven is the one who is receiving the blows. That's how the eternal math works out. Not the duration Not even necessarily the intensity, although it's greater than anything any of us can imagine. It is the one who received it for us. That is how you make the math work. Idea at wretched.org.
2: All right. This one is from Adrian. Uh, uh, Todd, do you believe there is such a thing
1: as work-life balance? Yes. Sure. You you should have it. Now, it's kind of become... Oh, okay, everybody with the work life. Oh, and what's the what's the thing? Um, your space. Yeah, they, they there's these these words that are being used these days to describe that. So I'm I'm not a fan of those because I think it comes out of a system that is more about fun, the life, meaning playtime, not working time. I I I think that's that's got it the priority wrong. We are a working people. We are made by a working God. The priority for the Christian isn't play. The priority is work unto the Lord, and we rest, we do play things in order to do our work better. That's the priority. So should there be a balance? Absolutely. And now this this is a challenge for you. You You're a boomer. And you see the kids and their work ethic and they want a four-day work week. Okay, I'm just playing here just to just to remind ourselves that sometimes our worldview is formed more by our society than it is by scripture. So let's just challenge ourselves for a moment. How many hours should a person work every week? Hmm? You probably are gonna say, well, at least 40. Why? I, I could actually, I think, make a better biblical case that you should probably be working every single week, 72 hours a week. How do I get that math? Because we see that the cultures back when the commandments were written were working seven days a week. And the inferences that we have in a number of places in Scripture, and I said it that way because I can't cite the verse for you, that they work. You get up and work and you don't go you don't go home and you don't go to bed till the sun goes down so let's just say that's about a 12 hour day the jews were given a break with the sabbath being a type a shadow of jesus christ but they were working 6 days a week sun up to sun down now does the bible say that's got to be the pattern no but that is the pattern we see in the bible so I couldn't make a law where there is no law, but I would be able to at least say, well, we're pointed in the direction of more work than even 40 hours per week. So what is a correct life balance or life work balance system? I think you need to do that thoughtfully, prayerfully, biblically. Everybody's got different scenarios and situations. And here's the key. You've got to do it in consultation with the people that live with you. I... I, Alan, I'm not I'm not gossiping. He put it in his video where he was talking about the YouTube machine. He said, it's it's taken away from my children and I can't keep going at this pace. All right. There's a man who needs to make some adjustments. Now, how did he do it? It was with communication with his family, who in this instance, (laughs) dad, we kind of miss you. All right, something's off and you need to make adjustments. There's another source of help that you can receive because we have a hard time to t- if you're if you're a workaholic, I tend to be that way. It's like, well, no, more, 72 at least. Get some counsel from brothers and sisters in your local church. One more reason to be a member of a local church. This is Wretched Radio. <laughs>
2: And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. First story today brings us to the retail giant Target, which found itself in a tight spot recently. After facing backlash, the company decided to pull its LGBT pride items that was designed by a certain Satanist. But they still lost $6 billion in market cap space. So what's going to happen with Target? (laughs) Only time will tell. And to the world of academia now, where Princeton University thought it would just be a laugh riot to host a comedy show called To All the Babies I've Killed Before. You know, I know in comedy they say everything's fair game, but there are some things that just aren't funny. And moving to South Carolina, Governor Henry McMaster has made some strides in the pro-life movement. He recently signed into law a heartbeat bill, which is a significant move towards protecting the unborn in South Carolina. And over in Texas, a bill that aims to prohibit sexually explicit content in public schools is on its way to the governor's desk. You know, that's good news. I I don't deny that. But it's really sad that it has to be news at all. I mean, who would have thought 20 years ago we would be talking about new legislation that would prohibit sexually explicit content in public schools? It's really getting to the point when we say the world has gone crazy that it's not an exaggeration anymore. And lastly, real quick, let me tell you the story of a school that recently said no thank you to a church. Why did they tell the church no thank you? Well, the church wanted to lease one of the school's premises, but upon learning that the church had a pro-life stance, (laughs) the school said no thank you. First of all, did you even have to put much thought into a church being pro-life? Those kind of go hand in hand, because if a church isn't pro-life, it's not a church. Nonetheless, I can think of a whole lot of worse choices to lease your property to than a church. What a world, what a world. And that's been your Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Names of God. We
0: learn a lot about God from the names given to him in scripture. The first name given to God is Elohim in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Elohim is a plural noun, but the verb created is singular. God is plural in personhood, but singular in being. The creator God is the triune Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is
1: Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. As always, this could be a total bomb. This is Wretched Radio. A dramatic role play to help a wife name is Todd. I'll be playing the... I don't think I'm comfortable with this at all. (laughs) I was going to assign you the role of being the wife. Oh. But then (laughs) I had to be your husband. So no matter how you slice this bread, it's a creepy loaf. All right, Jimmy, here we go. I'm just imagining a man coming home who heard our conversation about work-life balance, and you should consult with your family whether or not you're working too much and what you might be able to do to adjust it. And please note, by the way, there should be seasons. There not should, there will be seasons where a man has to work a lot, just has to, because the boss is demanding it, got to keep the job, there's the big project, the big raise is coming, whatever, there are seasons for that. But a man should seek to strike that correct balance, and I think it should be done in consultation with others, and especially with our spouse and children. So, Jimmy, darling... (laughs) Thanks for asking how my day was at work. How was your day at work? Well, you know, I was thinking it was pretty long. So I'm just wondering, dear, do you think that I'm working too much? Absolutely. (sighs) Ah, that means you want to spend more time with me. Take two. (laughs) Give me the opposite answer this time. Oh, Buttercup. Do you think that I'm spending too much time at work and not enough time with you and the children? No, not at all. What? What do you mean? Don't you want me to be around here more? My point in this dramatic recreation of a scenario that could happen in your life is it might not be as easy for the spouse. Maybe, dude, you're nailing it. She's like, no, honey, we're good. Uh, Don't be offended by that. Unless, of course. She meant to offend you. And please send whatever to idea at wretched.org. Please make sure you address it to either Mr. or Mrs. Freel. don't
2: don't ever call me buttercup
1: (laughs) (laughs) mr buttercup (laughs) idea at wretched.org
2: all right this is from sheridan Uh, todd given the prevalence of spousal unfaithfulness divorce and concerns about asset loss how can one navigate the challenges and find biblical guidance regarding pursuing marriage in this society
1: (sighs) let's start with two words be courageous There's more to be said, but I would like to encourage you in a culture that makes marriage look terrifying to be a courageous Christian, not a foolish Christian, not somebody who doesn't weigh and consider and make decisions biblically. But we, it seems, tend to be living in a time where especially the younger generations are told marriage is dangerous, marriage is scary. We've seen the divorce rates. And by the way, a lot of the divorce rates that you've maybe heard about aren't as accurate as the reality of it. Nevertheless, you've been told, oh boy, danger, Will Robinson. Because what? You're the dude and you make a lot of money and you get married and she divorces you. She's taking half your stuff. Oh! Well, don't panic. Be smart, be wise proceed the way that we're supposed to as Christians prayerfully Lord give me wisdom biblically is this the right person for me does this person have the qualifications that I have am I trying to be faithful here or am I just wanting a wife who will make some babies for me what what what, what's what's motivating this and when you go through this process, receive godly counsel, consider your preferences, and you make a decision. You can rest in that, even if it goes belly up, knowing that that is the Lord's will for your life. So here's the scenario. You do all of the aforementioned steps, and you decide to propose to Heather. And Heather says, yes. Three years later, Heather is off having affairs. Whoa devastating. And you realize this is just, well, clearly it's bad. Now, I'm not going to get into what you do about this, but here's the question. Did you make a mistake? And the answer is possibly if your motives weren't right, you didn't do it prayerfully and thoughtfully and biblically, it could be. But even then you can rest in going, all right, I couldn't have gotten away with this unless the Lord willed it in his predetermined plan that God sovereignly has ordained that I marry a faithless Heather who, 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 who lives like, uh, well, a little story that we read in the Bible about a woman married to Hosea. Uh, you, you got that. So you could have been, it could have been a sin, but you can still rest in knowing that God ordained that. Now, let's say that it, what, you really were, Lord, I was, I was being faithful in this. Either way now, you can say, so, Lord, use this to grow me. Use this to help me become like you. Use this to help me be like Jesus Christ, who loves the unlovable. Help me to be like you who was pictured in Hosea, who was abandoned by a faithless wife, and yet you love, and yet you pursue, and yet you take back. Help me to be like you, Lord, and then you can rest in that because you can't do anything outside of God's will. Now, you could have bucked his written will, his moral will for your life, but it was still underneath his providential will. That doesn't give us license to whatever, then I guess case No, we're faithful. And we work through those steps. And then ultimately, we act as courageous Christians. We're not going to let the world tell us what to be afraid of. God instituted marriage. Enough said. This isn't a worldly institution. God made this. Co- it must be good for us. We know it is good because it is not good for man to be alone. So we trust him. Be wise, do it carefully, prayerfully, biblically, and be courageous. And please send whatever you want to idea at wretched.org.
2: Okay, this next one comes from Abby. Todd, could you speak uh, about the discipline of fasting? I've only heard about it in the last few years and, some, and that some real Christians fast for spiritual growth. So that when it comes up, I feel guilty that I never have.
1: Yeah, you shouldn't. And we just, we just don't see a clear command in the Bible for when you should fast, how you should fast. Now, we do have Jesus weighing in on the subject. When the disciples were being critiqued by the Pharisees, Jesus said that they will fast, they will stop eating and drinking when the bridegroom is gone, but he's here right now. So they are going to eat and drink. It implied that fasting would take place. But that is isn't the command for it. Furthermore, fasting can take many forms. We traditionally think food. It can be any sort of sacrifice. So here's what we know about fasting. We see it in the Bible. We see the purpose for it is not that somehow it makes our prayers uh, more spiritual, but they will intensify your prayers because you are doing fasting for a reason, We don't just fast because we fast. If you want to fast because you're dieting, that's fine, but that's not a spiritual thing. You fast because you want to make sure that every time your tummy grumbles, you think about the subject and you offer a prayer to God. It intensifies your prayers, it increases the frequency of your prayers, and it does communicate to God, Lord, I really am serious about this. I'm knocking louder than I normally do. Please hear this prayer. That's the purpose of fasting, but we don't see you need to fast and you need to do it like this. We can, It might be a great thing for you to start doing. You've got a wayward child. Mm, that, that would be a time to consider fasting. You've got a big thing coming up. Might be a good time to do fasting. But I don't think we see it commanded. And I don't think that anybody should point at you and go, you're sinning because you had that big thing coming up and you didn't fast. That would be making a law where there is no law. So use it as you see fit. Don't be shamed for not doing it. Doing spiritual disciplines, and you could put fasting underneath that category. It's it's not about trumping. Jimmy, I used a word I probably shouldn't use. It's not about trumping one another as if we're playing a card game here. You maybe do things that the person who fasts doesn't do. So let's not slap down spiritual discipline cards as if we're better than the others. And don't receive it that way. If you hear about it, just go, hey, cool, that works for them. I hope that it keeps working for them. And then you do what you think you need to do regarding fasting. And as long as you are not taking time to prepare a meal, why don't you send questions, comments, conundrum, snarks to idea at wretched.org. All
2: right. This is from Kyla. Todd, I've noticed that there are teachings that encourage Christians in general, but I haven't come across teaching specifically for Christians who have fallen into sin and struggle with shame and regret. Mm. How should a Christian carry Mm. on if they harbor bitterness toward themselves? Oh,
1: I'm so well, there's two things there. So I'm really just pleased to say you are so flat out wrong. And that's good news. The Bible absolutely speaks about it. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You should feel no shame anymore. It should be gone. Now you battle with it. That's okay. You need to be reminded God's grace is bigger than your shame. So the Bible speaks about it. So as you read through, especially the gospels and the epistles, watch the life of Jesus. That was all done to take away my shame. So your shame can be gone by studying the Bible. Now, as for your attitude about yourself, that's a different cup of tea, which we will attempt to drink to the dregs if necessary, next on Wretched Radio. Sorry to ask you to do some... Arithmetic, but this is some math that will encourage you and make you very, very happy. This is one testimony of a mother who chose life because she saw her own baby courtesy of an ultrasound from. At Preborn Centers, would you please help us grow that number by providing as many ultrasounds as possible at preborn.org slash wretched org slash wretched.
2: You know, what used to be a movie is now our sad reality. We're living in a world that's gone absolutely bonkers. So much so that six mads just aren't enough to describe it. Social media may be bombarding us left and right. Our Christian worldview may be under assault, but we have the dynamic duo of Todd Frill and Dr. Nathan Buznitz, and they're coming to the rescue with Wretched Worldview 2, tackling 22 of those pesky, thorny, contemporary issues through a biblical lens, helping us to defend the biblical view on things like sexuality and gender, critical race theory, modesty and apparel, persecution, secular entertainment, environmentalism, 22 issues to be exact. So, what are you waiting for? Head on over to Wretched.org, grab your copy of Wretched Worldview worldview, too. And hey, while you're there, snag that study guide, too, because it's the perfect companion for navigating this mad, 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 mad world with wisdom and grace.
1: I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision, and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Friel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, we can trust this ministry. Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry. 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing, the average family saves Five hundred dollars per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit slash wretched medashare.com/wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at eight four four three four bible, eight four four three four bible, eight four four three four bible.
0: Attributes of God. God is merciful. While He does not permit evil to go unpunished, He withholds His justice for a time. Though God is storing up wrath for the day of judgment, every day we continue to live is evidence of God's mercy and another chance to repent and trust in Christ for salvation. This is Wretched Radio
1: with Todd Friel. One word, believe. This is Wretched Radio. The question du jour, which was also the question of the day. It's delicious. I think I'll have that was, how can a Christian move forward when they're harboring bitterness toward themselves? There are other offerings for that conundrum, but I would start with believe. No, I'm going to change it. Let yourself believe. Why do I phrase it that way? Because you can look at the promises of God in the Bible and go, I believe that. But letting yourself believe that, in other words, let it affect you, that sometimes is a struggle for us, isn't it? Whoa, I did something really bad. Yeah, I'm forgiven but I'm angry at myself. I'm harboring bitterness toward myself. However you want to phrase that, you need to let yourself believe. White as snow, white as snow, though your sins are as scarlet, you are white as wool. You can believe that on paper, but you need to let yourself believe that, which means you need to let yourself enjoy that. Sometimes we hang on to things because we're comfortable there. Sometimes we hang on to bad thinking because well it kind of works for me. We want to make sure that you aren't holding on to a past thing that just you that you is is being used as a crutch. So for instance, a woman aborts her child and she struggles to believe that she's forgiven. Why? Well, there can be a lot of reasons, but in our case, this is a woman who believes that if, if, if I receive like total forgiveness of this, if I'm like totally, completely, fully cleansed, even of that sin, she perceives she'll lose her connection to her baby who I believe is in heaven. I get that. I get that. But I've got another way for you to be connected to your baby. Let yourself believe that God has forgiven you for that, knowing that you're going to go to be with your baby, just like David. Know know that you're going to go to be with... There's your connection. Still your child. Yep, you sin grievously. Your baby's safe in the arms of Jesus. You can believe and let yourself believe that you are forgiven for that. And that is how you lose the bitterness, the shame, the second tier Christian status you believe that is rightly yours, let yourself believe the promises. And here's what's going to happen to you progressively. You will have more joy. It's it's not like you're just going to blow off sins. It's just the opposite because you're going to grow in your love for the Lord more and more. And that means that you're going to want to sin less and less. So if you're angry at yourself still, Feeling like you are a shameful Christian? You're not. the The one who's wrong in the assessment is you. Let yourself believe God's promises about you, and please call Beep Talk. That would be the number of the old toll free. What's on your mind? One eight seven seven two eight two. Hey Dot, a comment about the man who uh, emailed you last week uh, that he's fornicating
2: with his girlfriend and you uh, your suggestion was for him to release her
1: because of the baggage they now have in the relationship I'm curious well you're not the only one to question me on that but if I, if I might sir and I'm, I'm not going to argue with you I just it, it wasn't because of the baggage it's because the man is unqualified. he's he's applying for a job and his resume doesn't have the credentials needed. That's why I said he should be willing to go to that girl and say, I'm not worthy. I'm not qualified. You should go seek somebody who is. Now, could it be that with wise counsel, she says, tell you what, I'm not going to release you, if you will. I'm going to watch it for a year. Now, I can't promise you, that somebody might not enter the picture, but I'll give you, you get this sorted. Go to work. That could be worked out that way. But my point is, if there's a man who's addicted to pornography, I think that was the scenario. Was He was either being like uh, fornicating or was watching pornography. You're not qualified. That's all. You're just not. Get it under control and show that you are. And in the meantime, don't string out a girl. Don't do that to her. Okay, back to you, sir. It's about biblically where you would see that
2: practice. Um, I think of David. I think of, I think Dina is the name of Jacob's daughter who was raped, and they married the person. I'm not saying that that's what you do in every case, but you stop committing adultery. Of course, that's the sin, and that's the first thing. But I'm just curious where, that sounded odd to me. Where, Where are you getting this? you should release her or another
1: words leave her so leave her. Where are you getting that? That seemed really strange to me. Okay, here's a question in return. Where would we see that if a man fornicates, he must marry the girl? If it, it's a consensual situation, this isn't, this is not rape.' that's, that's described differently in the Bible. If, if the, the the punishment for that act was different. Because if the woman was calling out, help me, help me, he was abusing her. But if it was consensual, that's different. Now, if somebody rapes somebody, then they, they were responsible then to make sure that they took care of that woman. But I don't see anywhere that if a couple fornicates, therefore, they have gotten married. Now, I grant you, there would be some people who I think could give it a go and say, if you commit that conjugal act, that is a marriage act. And I agree with that. It is a marriage act because it should only be done in the confines of marriage. But I don't think that I could say that if, if a boy and a girl did that sin, that they have to get married to one another. My position would be, if you're doing that, young man or young lady, either way, neither one of you is qualified. You have, you have physically vocalized. I guess you can't physically vocal. Well you can't, but but you can communicate. There you go. Physically communicate. I, I'm not qual. I'm not ready for this because I don't have myself under control. And, and I'm an individual who is willing to utilize somebody's body for my own purposes and pleasures. So that's where I came up with that. And now I'm glad you called, sir. I really am. Because I can imagine scenarios where it's like, hold on, we need to get this worked out. There can be circumstances. I'm not naive. So this couple, they've been dating for however long, and the church is involved. Parents, everybody's thrilled. And oops, that happened. Okay, I understand that. There, That could be like, okay, we need to consider what we're going to do about this, see if a pattern is going to form, et cetera. But then you could keep moving forward. But... I believe our rule, and there can be consideration, is if you cannot keep yourself under control, you're not ready. That's why you need to get ready. And I get it. I get it, young man. The the pressure that you feel, the desires that you have, they are strong. Yep. This is going to bring you into a really robust manhood status. Yep. But I have my passions under control. They are fiery, but I am not letting them burn down my house. I'm going to be a godly man who demonstrates and who can say to a woman's dad, I got it under control, sir. You can trust me with your daughter. Fair enough. Phone call, sir. I'm glad you called. one 282 beep one 282 Hi, Todd. I was reading in Luke 5 where the men brought a man on a stretcher for healing. Jesus said to him, your
2: sins are forgiven. I don't want to be like the Pharisees who doubted Jesus' authority to forgive, but what actually calls Jesus to forgive in this case we don't necessarily see the
1: gospel as we think of it today. Sure. Was this man eternally forgiven and how was he forgiven? Great question. Even the thief on the cross seemed to be documented doing more of repentance than this man in need of healing. Thanks for any insight. You know, what? My, my insight is one word, silence. We just don't get those details. Jesus wouldn't affirm forgiveness of somebody without faith. So something must have taken place that we just didn't hear about because that wasn't really the point of the text. He was proving and demonstrating his divinity and he was demonstrating his goodness and he was putting the Pharisees to shame. So that was the thrust of the story. We just don't have the detail that tells us that that. The man professed faith or Jesus shared the law. Then he gave him the gospel and a track from living water. We're just not given those details. But that doesn't mean the man didn't have faith because if he didn't, Jesus would not have said your sins are forgiven you because you must have faith to be forgiven. Can a false preacher sue a person calling them out for defamation of character like Justin Peters? Are you uh, perhaps <laughs> suggesting that Justin needs to lawyer up? Can a false teacher do that? Well, a false teacher might do that. I, are you talking about is it biblical? Well, a Christian shouldn't be suing a Christian. But if you're saying is he, is, is Justin vulnerable in any way? Sure. Uh, to what degree? Well, it depends on what country. If you're in America and Great Britain, the systems are different when it comes to la- slander and libel about the burden of proof. Nevertheless, yeah, he's got some exposure. I guess anybody does who critiques somebody. So should that deter you from doing it? Nope. Should you be wise? Of course. And we don't want to cross a line and we don't want to murder somebody who's a false teacher. We just want to point them out as we are commanded to do. So carry on, Justin. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.